Temperature about 27 degrees. Winds fairly fresh, fresh to east to northeasterly winds, strong offshore and occasional gale force winds on high ground. If you're hiking, currently 25 degrees C and 72% relative humidity. And now the half-hour news with Samantha Butler. The Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden has made a scathing attack on Donald Trump's handling of the coronavirus crisis, saying the president had failed the people of the United States. Speaking in the town of Warm Springs in Georgia, a state the Democrats hoped to win, Mr. Biden said he could reunite a divided country. Anger and suspicion are growing and our wounds are getting deeper. It may and many wonder... Has it gone too far? Have we passed the point of no return? Has the heart of this nation turned to stone? I don't think so. I refuse to believe it. I know this country. I know our people. And I know we can unite and heal this nation. The French President Emmanuel Macron is to address his nation amid speculation that he could announce a second national coronavirus lockdown. More than two-thirds of people in France are already under restrictions that include a nighttime curfew. The latest daily figures show more than 33,000 new cases and more than 500 deaths. There's a warning that almost 200 airports across Europe face going broke if passenger numbers don't pick up by the end of this year. The Airport Trade Association, ACI Europe, says those affected are mainly regional airports with fewer than 5 million passengers a year. But the trade body says 20 of Europe's largest airports also face a bleak future, having racked up $19 billion in additional debts. The founder of a cult-like group in the United States has been sentenced to 120 years in jail after being convicted of sex trafficking and other crimes. Keith Ranieri, the founder of the Nixium Group, was also fined 1.75 million US dollars. Here's the BBC's Terry Egan. Nexium was a purported self-help group based near Albany in New York. It promised a way to achieve happiness through self-improvement workshops that became popular in Hollywood and among business circles. But prosecutors said that its founder, Keith Ranieri, had created a secret sorority, as they put it, where female slaves turned over nude photos of themselves and other compromising material. These were used as blackmail if they tried to leave. Manny was sexually abused and even branded with his initials during secret ceremonies. An international team of scientists aboard a Russian research ship in the Arctic Ocean has discovered evidence that vast methane deposits in the seabed have started being released into the sea. Methane, a potent greenhouse gas, is 80 times more warming than carbon dioxide. Here's the BBC's Richard Howells. The joint Russian-Swedish expedition has been collecting samples of methane about 600 kilometres off the Siberian coast in the Laptev Sea. So far, most of the methane bubbles have been dissipating into the surrounding seawater. But measurements at the surface have shown levels of methane up to eight times higher than normal. Crater-like marks on the seafloor have also been found, suggesting that large bubbles of gas may be blasting out of the mud. The concern is that a substantial release of methane could accelerate climate warming. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Bank Chat. I'm Hugh Chivert and your co-host today is Karen Ko. Karen, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. New vice presidents for the University of Hong Kong today and new contracts for Cathay Pacific staff. 
Hong Kong Youth Governing Council has appointed two mainland scholars as vice presidents, with one refuting reports that he's a member of the Chinese Communist Party. The VC lauded the two academics, saying Professor Shen will help to expand the research enterprise of Hong Kong Youth and strategically grasp opportunities brought about by the entrepreneurial globe. And Professor Gong will be in charge of the university's strategies in recruiting and retaining world-class and diverse faculty, facilitating a culture of academic excellence. Dozens of representatives from the Student Union held a protest as the council met, insisting that the appointment should be postponed, the institute should give a full account of the political background of the candidates. They said if the reports are true, then Shen's appointment means the Communist Party would be taking charge of high-level decisions at Hong Kong U, calling it the end of academic freedom and institutional autonomy at the university. Is there risk then to Hong Kong U? Is this mainlandization or just taking opportunities? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page or you can email bankchat at rthk.hk or you can call us and our number is 233-88266. And after 9.15, we'll be talking about negotiations between uh, trade unions and uh, the cafe staff over their new contracts. Joining us now, we have with us John Burns, Emeritus Professor and Honorary Professor of the Department of Politics and Public Administration at the uh, University of Hong Kong. And uh, Jordan Pang, who's Vice President of the Students' Union in uh, 2018 to 19 and now a central and western district councillor and we hope others will be joining us uh later professor burns uh good morning to you thanks for for, for joining us uh is this uh well is this the right decision are you happy with this decision i think it's an inevitable decision i mean if you look at the um the cvs of these two candidates they are extremely talented Hong Kong is a part of China. It makes sense that um, when Hong Kong carries out international or global searches for candidates, that it would also look for candidates on the mainland. Um, But the process, how this was handled, I think, was very poor. There should have been much more transparency, in my view, about the uh, two candidates. But this is the future of Hong Kong. I mean, uh, Carrie Lam seated political leadership in Hong Kong um, on January 1 of this year to Lo Hui Ning. And so the party uh, provides political leadership here. And actually, both of them, I would guess, our party members. I mean, I, Shun was the only one that um, got caught on the Tsinghua website, but Professor Gong was a dean, is a dean, at in the Faculty of Science at Tsinghua University. And these kind of leadership positions um, on mainland universities are always held by party members. P- Professor Burns, you mentioned the, the process. Was this process different from the, what would be the normal process of uh, appointing a vice president? Uh, I was not a party to it, but I don't, I think it is probably um, follows the previous way these things were done, at least formally. That is to say, a selection committee was established and a selection committee. Um, Maybe they hired uh, some kind of a firm to help them um, beat the bushes for as many possible candidates as possible 
and then these two candidates were chosen, and then they were presented to the council. Um, but the process could have been more transparent, and um, at least in the case of Professor Shun, the explanations that have been given by the University of Hong Kong are, are completely unconvincing. As, few, as far as I'm concerned, so they. You, so they you mean the explanations about about his party membership? Yes, I mean, I think it is totally absurd if if you look at the explanations. Um, on the one hand, they say, "Oh, we don't consider political affiliation. We don't, just as we don't consider gender and religion and all of these other things." Uh, but we are. Hong Kong is a part of China, and this kind of political affiliation is uh, has consequences. It matters. We're not Berkeley. We're not some, you know, and so that kind of an explanation is completely ridiculous. And then Professor Shen himself said that, oh, well, this was a, a Tsinghua website was... Uh, you know, just a webmaster error. Well, this is entirely unconvincing. Um, uh, sorry, you're, you're, you're saying he's lying. I mean, because he's categorically denied this, as I understand it. You're saying he's that's not true. What I'm saying is that there needs to be an explanation of what happened on the Tsinghua University website. Um, and, you know, so I would guess, and to say that this was a rogue webmaster just doesn't wash. I mean, it, they, so this is what I'm saying about transparency. It appears to me that the university, because it did adopt these previous um, ways of doing things, failed to anticipate this. And failure to anticipate is a leadership failure, in my view. It is also a communications failure. So they, they didn't understand that this could be coming. And so they're trying to play catch-up. And with the explanations that have been offered so far, you know, first by an anonymous Hong Kong U spokesperson who refused to be identified, and then by Professor Shen himself in uh, a late-night email to the university community uh, yesterday, not convincing. So um, these websites, Tsinghua University website, you know, on these kind of issues, these are tightly managed, and they are managed by the Tsinghua Party Committee and supervised by the Ministry of Education Party Committee, and that is supervised by the Central Committee Propaganda Department. So if you're telling me that a rogue webmaster was able to do this on Tsinghua, impossible. And briefly, why does that matter? Why does that matter? Isn't it? Ah, does, now, okay. doesn't it? Doesn't that it just? Because the argument would be the, that it goes with the job, and it's—I don't know—it's like being a, a JP or something. It's uh, now. Now, th this is the new reality in Hong Kong, and Hong Kong has got to come to terms with this because this is not just for the University of Hong Kong. This is all organizations in Hong Kong. Um, so, you know, if we have party members in leadership positions, this is a double-edged sword. On the one hand, 
this this means that they have networks on the mainland that could be helpful for Hong Kong if we want to do if we want to do deals there. It also means that they understand party policy. You know, Professor Gong will be doing HR, for example, which is very important. Uh, Professor Shun will be doing research. They understand p- party policy. They can they can inform the rest of the SMT about what the party thinks about ABC uh, and about candidates and all the rest of it. But the but the but the the Chinese Communist Party is an alternative authority structure to the current one that we've got at the moment. Currently, I mean, the Hong Kong government, especially the Education Bureau and the uh, UGC, do not usually directly get involved in HR matters. They, and they, they do get involved in... Um, in research matters simply by how they direct funding, especially the UGC. But but if you look at the UGC website, they would say, well, the universities are, are have um, staffing autonomy. They can make their own decisions. So um, we'll just have to see how this is going to work out uh, in the future. Uh, but this is, this is the reality of Hong Kong, and everyone needs to understand this and be prepared to live with this, and I would say needs to use this. I mean, so the party is a huge organization. It's over 90 million people, and there are various divisions and groups and factions and whatever in the party, and we need to understand these, and we need to know how to maneuver uh, among these. Unfortunately, our um, leader, Carrie Lam, I don't believe she's a party member, and she's not consulted by party, the party committee. She's basically told what to do by them. So um, this is a sort of Hong Kong halfway house, half in and half out. And this is um, a transitional situation, I believe. Uh, but we need to come to terms with this. Okay, but, can I just read an email? Uh, this is from, from Martin, uh, who says, uh, fascism and McCarthyism are being used to attack Hong Kong U's hiring decisions. The hiring of the two new vice presidents for Hong Kong U was the result of a merit-based recruitment exercise ticking all the right boxes for relevant professional skill sets. When jealous locals can't compete for jobs on merit, they immediately resort to politicising the issue by launching a xenophobic character assassination campaign against both Professor uh, Shun and Professor Gong, uh, solely based on both being mainland Chinese and the rumour that the former might be a Communist Party member. Hong Kong is part of mainland China. Even if a candidate is a Communist Party member, what's the problem? As long as he or she has the right qualifications for the job and does not engage in political activism. Meanwhile, other Hong Kong U professors are deeply political active, for example, Eric Chung and Benny Tai. Critics who engage in the type of mudslinging remind me of the animal farm. Some are more equal than others, and the right political ideology is more important than actual qualifications. It seems critics would rather prioritise candidates with the right political anti-China, anti-government stance over professional qualifications with no concern for the impact on the university's academic performance and of its students. That comes from Martin. Professor Burns, do you want to respond to that? Well... I think this is a bit of an extreme view, 
Um, Hong Kong is going through a transition and needs to come to terms with the political leadership provided by the Chinese Communist Party through Lo Huining. This is fact. And so, um, you know, raising questions about publicly available information, which appears to be contradictory, and publicly available uh, explanations provided by Hong Kong U, which have no credibility and bring the university into disrepute, I would say, um, I think it's quite legitimate to raise questions about this. So this is what uh, some people are doing anyway. Okay, Jordan Pang is with us, Vice President of the Students' Union in 2018-19 and now a Central and Western District Councillor. Good morning to you. Thank you for, for, for joining us. Uh, is this uh, a witch hunt? Is this McCarthyism? Is this just uh, racism, essentially, against uh, mainlanders and, and fear of the Communist Party? Yeah, I do agree that we don't normally look at one's nationality or gender or other things. Um, we just look at, you know, the academic cred credentials, but... But this time, CCP membership is a totally different thing. I think, you know, uh, as John said, uh, you know, it, they are, it's an alternative authority system, okay, starting directly to Beijing. So um, it affects the development of Hong Kong in the future. And also, it's not about, uh, you know, their, their, their nationality background. But when we look at the SMT membership list of Hong Kong U uh, now. Uh, the president, Jiang Jiang, uh, VP Institution Advancement, Norman Chen, and VP Research, um, Max Chen, and VP Academic Development, Gong Pai. These four are from, you know, from Berkeley. But what, why they, they, they have the same background? It didn't look like a coincidence to me that, you know, that, you know, Hong Kong U, they have to explain further why it, you know, they, they, are, they are all from the same background, they are from Berkeley, and also um, it's, it's a matter of transparency, I think. So, um, John and Peng, what, we see the students um, having mixed reactions to this announcement. I mean, I, I suppose the perception is reality in many ways. What could the university do to sort of answer those questions and to make students feel like we are going to stay in an environment of academic freedom, which is what they're mostly concerned about? Well, I think that um, for now, the decision has been made, so uh, oh, we, can, we can't do much um, now, but uh, the first thing I, I, I would like to say is that the decision committee uh, there's, there's some problems inside the searching committee. Um, uh, it, it lacks transparency. Uh, all the uh, members of the uh, searching committee were appointed by uh, Zhang Xiang, um, the, the president of HKU. And so the composition and the professionalism of the searching committee are questioned because, well, they, they have to provide more information and explanation to the public. So, um, Another issue about the HKU Council, I think the political power has been abused to interfere with the you know, university's institutional autonomy. Um, um, you can see that um, 
the chief executive is now um, the university chancellor by the board, and at least half of the council members they are appointed by uh, from inside the university, uh, from outside the university, and also the council member uh, and many they are appointed by the chief executive. So many decisions made by the few councils were interfered by you know the, the, the outside um, outsiders and also not taking the uh, staff members and also the students' uh, opinions into consideration. So that's the problem. Uh, we can see that um, before uh, the Committee of good, uh, of Inquiry into Possible Good Cause under the HKU management that there was not sufficient reason to dismiss many times, but the council overturned. And, you know, the Johannes Chan to... Um, the recommendation of Johannes Chan to be the vice chancellor, also the council overturned this decision. I don't think it's we're, we're not trying to appeal to Moses or at home, but the, the decisions made were so un- unprofessional and unreasonable, lacking transparency. That's the problem. Also with us is Raymond Mack, president of the Hong Kong New Students' Union in 2003-2004. Mr. Mack, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks, thanks for joining us. What do you make of this decision? Well, I, th- I think that uh, the appointment and selection of the, um, you know, the, the senior management of the university has always been a very uh, controversial and center of attention, uh, you know, in the history of Hong Kong U. I mean, when bef- I remember before I got uh, elected as the president of Hong Kong U Students Union, uh, I mean, the, the appointment of um, the, the ex VC um, Professor Trey, Lapsi uh, Trey, uh, is actually back in two thousand and. Two, if I remember correctly, it's also aroused a lot of uh, discussion. And then uh, at that time, I think that uh, you know students also got a lot of questions on uh, why we appoint um, a professors or a scholar that has no uh, previous um, uh, Hong Kong University uh, administration experience. So I, I think that 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 is a topic that is always you know center of tension. But I think this time uh, it. Actually, as, as what Jordan uh, and Professor uh, Burns just said, there was a lot of uh, concerns because it's not only about uh, you know pure um, selection and appointment uh, of a particular uh, scholars in in the in the senior management, but also you know to to reflect the whole issues. Uh, uh, of the political uh, tension in Hong Kong at the moment, and also the the governance of the University of Hong Kong, I think uh, you know council has been um, very controversial. You know since um, uh, you know Umbrella Revolution back in 2014, have made quite a lot of um, decisions, uh, including something that that is already mentioned by Jordan just now. Uh, give you know um, people, especially the the alumni of Hong Kong U. Uh, a lot of uh, concerns on whether the council have the the governance that that we demand, or actually, uh, you know, to to have the uh, you know convincing decisions for uh, not only on on the one side of the political regime. So uh, I think that that is the the worrying fact. Uh, I think Jonathan just now also mentioned a very valid point on um, you know the background of the scholars because right now um, over seven of the senior management in in, in Hong Kong U. Uh, four of them came from, uh, you know, the uh, same university background for Berkeley. I think this is actually the first time that we saw in, in Hong Kong U history. So I think that there's a lot of things, you know, that that, that come to mind. And then, uh, well, I would say, uh, you know, as a uh, 
as a popular or uh, also you know an outstanding scholar uh, with mainland background, it is not very surprising that uh, that they are. You know, one of them are actually the party members. You know, uh, over the past 20 years, when I met a number of different scholars, uh, not only you know based in mainland but also uh, you know on different universities in all over the world. Uh, you know, some of them are actually party members, basically because of the mirror system they have. But uh, you know, appointing a um, a scholar with such background in the current situation uh, of Hong Kong and in a center of attention of Hong Kong U, that would be a you know a situation that is, uh, 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 you know, definitely arousing a lot of attention. And then you know, a legitimate questions can be raised, you know, among quest, uh, students and and teaching staff. I think this is totally legitimate. If if they categorically deny that they are members of the Communist Party, then what? Sorry, if they deny, as, they, as in this case, I, I understand Professor Shan has done deny that he's a member of the Communist Party, then what? Then what I seen? Okay, I I mean, you know, I I, I there's no way for us to to verify, you know, right now. But then, uh, you know, the, the thing is like there's the certain concerns has to be made, and then I think that right now there's no, you know, there's no such. Solutions, you know, because basically it is exactly the the situation where uh, you know the Hong Kong people and also you know the the alumni of the university has that kind of sensitivity uh, in terms of the politics and uh, the fears, you know, on how to um, further strengthen the, the the governance and also you know the uh, the background of the of the university university okay. management. Here's, here's an email. This is from Tom, uh, who says, "Looking at the Hong Kong U issue, we can see that Hong Kong U has the only dental school in Hong Kong and is ranked number four in the world in dental rankings. If Hong Kong U appoints a CCP-linked vice chairman, the uh, mainland—I think it means vice president—the mainland political system is sure to infiltrate the dental training program, and will soon have waves of communist dentists sweeping across the world and endangering the oral safety of free people everywhere, which makes." me wonder that if outside of journalism and political science, most academic programs have nothing to do with politics and also that our young journalists and politicians don't seem to be coming from Hong Kong U. Uh, anyways, that is uh, from Tom. Jordan Pang, um, what about that point that Communist Party or not has really got nothing to do with 90% of what goes on at the university and what's studied and researched at the university? Well, um, it's, it's a completely different issue that uh, if a uh, professors from CDP or, you know, have a, has a CDP membership because um, there's, you know, um, for example, for uh, Shen was part of the TTP thousand talent plan, which was accused that, you know, the China intends to find this doing false research plan, saying it's like new technology for economic and military advantage. You know, a report from the National uh, Intelligence Council declaring an underlying motivation of the program to be you know, uh, to facilitate the legal and illicit transfer of the U.S. technology, intellectual property, and know-how to China. So, well, people, there's a rumor saying that, oh, okay, now, uh, and with the states are doing the, you know, the sanctions, uh, and you should check the backgrounds of different um, Chinese professors in the state. And so, well, is it, you know, is it, is it, is it a way to transfer the, the professors from the U.S. to Hong Kong to, to you know to protect them from being sanctioned or being being checked or being you know, prosecuted by the state government. So, well, it's it's an issue definitely, and you know the the political relation with the communist party. So they have to uh, the professors 
they have to be obliged to abide by, you know, by the party disciplines. So it, it, it does affect the academic freedom and you know, the human resource and management and research funding, those are those. Uh, management decisions. Um, Professor Burns, I mean, you know, critics have, are saying that uh, since uh, Zhang Xiang has been appointed, you know, there's this mainlandization of, of the university. But w- where's the evidence? I mean, is, is academic integrity, is academic rigor actually changing? I mean, what, what's the proof? I agree with you know, the underlying assumption of your question is we need evidence of this. But I think another way to look at it is when you see the appointment of a vice chancellor, then you tend to see the vice chancellor building his own team. So Shen and Gung are people that our vice chancellor feels comfortable with. And so... Uh, it is not a surprise to me. I mean, the previous vice chancellor, Matheson, did the same thing, and Choi Chi did the same thing. I mean, this is exactly the way these things work. So when we have, uh, when Zhang Zhang was appointed, then I think this is a kind of thing that um, is shouldn't be a surprise to people. Uh, mainlandization, I mean, it is absolutely true that Hong Kong uh, universities um, are increasingly dependent on finance, land, students, and what have you, all of that from the mainland, that, uh, um, and, and staff from the mainland, you can look to see that uh, the backgrounds of staff... Professor Burns, we've, we've got a break, sorry, just for the news at, at 9 o'clock. Perhaps we could yep. get you back after with, uh, as well to, to at least finish that thought. Uh, just briefly, the weather, many clouds today with a few rain patches. 24 degrees at the moment, humidity is at 75%. As authorities say they fear another night of unrest after the fatal police shooting of a black man, officials say 30 officers were hurt in clashes with protesters last night. They say officers opened fire on Walter Wallace when he ignored orders to drop a knife he was holding. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. Back chat this Wednesday morning with Karen Coe and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're talking about uh, controversy over the appointment of two new vice presidents for the University of Hong Kong. Later, we're going to be talking about uh, negotiations between uh, Cafe staff. Uh, this is uh, after those uh, cutbacks. Uh, in staff and uh, the insistence by management that they sign uh, new contracts on much less uh, favourable terms. We'll be talking, do they have a leg to stand on, basically? We'll be talking to uh, Carolyn from the Confederation of Trading Unions later on that uh, issue. We want to hear from you, of course, as ever. Backchat at rthk.hk, our email address. And our telephone number is 233-88266. Give us a call. We'll put you, we'll put you on air. Uh, joining us for the uh, discussion now on the University of Hong Kong, we uh, have with us still uh, Raymond Mack, who's president of the University of Hong Kong Students Union in 2003 to 2004. Uh, and uh, still with us, Professor John Burns, Emeritus Professor and Honorary Professor in the Department of Politics and Public Administration at the University of Hong Kong. Right, and just before the news, uh, Professor Burns was in the middle of, a, of an answer um, to a question I posed about um, Zhang Xiang, uh, the, the president of the university, May, being accused of mainlandization of uh, Hong Kong U. So, Professor Burns, do you want to continue what, what you were saying? Yes, yes. I mean, 
Uh, we have to be clear about what exactly does this mean. Certainly for undergraduates, 80% of our undergraduates still come from Hong Kong. We have a lot of graduate students from the mainland, that's true. Mm. Um, we have staff from the mainland, especially in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, and let's remember that uh, universities on the mainland, such as Beida and the Peking University and uh, Tsinghua, are very highly ranked. One of your listeners talked about uh, dentistry ranking four, and if we care about rankings, then we need to get the best people that we can wherever they are. And I agree that we should care about rankings. These are very important. So do I see evidence of it? Yes and no. You know, I mean, it's uh, we are a part of China. So it, it would be um, natural that um, some sort of thing like this is going on. The quality of the research, the quality of the education, these are the things that should matter most. And I do not see my colleagues, for example, being less willing to produce outstanding research papers and books and what have you. So I hope that the university continues to value this in STEM subjects and non-STEM, such as law, politics, sociology, um, art, and these kind of things. These are all part of, these are very important parts, too. In the end, does Hong Kong U have to choose between being uh, an international university and being one uh, that's part of the mainland? Um, I think it, it, uh, they're not an either-or choice. It, we're definitely part of the mainland. International university, yes, we. this is a goal that the university has pursued for a long time, um, and I think we need to continue to pursue that goal. Um, one of the other uh, speakers talked about uh, the, you know, the, the huge number of senior people from the University of California at Berkeley. That that would be evidence of some kind of um, skewed internationalism, I would say. So we we definitely need to continue recruiting internationally. We need to continue sending people out. Can I ask? Is it? I mean, do do senior management? Uh, are you, you favoured if you're Chinese? Do they want ethnic Chinese? Because they get a lot of American Chinese academics, don't they? Well, I mean, you have to consider who's willing to come, who's willing to relocate <laughs> True. here. Yeah. This is a very important issue. So people who are willing to relocate here are mostly people who have an interest in China, for example, or who want to be close to their family. There's all kinds of reasons about picking up and coming from Europe or the U.S. or Australia is a huge decision, especially because we don't offer them tenure right away. Right. So this is, this is uh, I think, it's pretty inevitable that we would attract uh, ethnic Chinese. Um, and we, we've been doing this for a long time. So, Raymond Mack, just, it seems like what Hong Kong U is doing is trying to do what's in the best interests of Hong Kong U, which is mm -hmm. attract great talent, mm. uh, attract top students, stay high in the ranking. So is, is there anything wrong with the way they're doing that? 
Well, there's nothing wrong. I mean, uh, basically, I think uh, every university have the same direction, uh, not only in the University of Hong Kong, but also in you know, other universities of Hong Kong, especially you know, uh, CHK and then uh, Hong Kong USD. They're all doing that. I think, uh, you know, the, the center of the discussion is about, you know, uh, while we are taking a checkbox, uh, searching for the top um, and experienced uh, scholars from uh, different parts of the world, uh, whether we are also taking care of the current situation of Hong Kong, especially on, on the political and the social side. You know, over the past five years especially, uh, you know, Hong Kong has been the center of attention, and especially on some of the um, appointment of the uh, of the post VC, uh, deputy VC, and then also uh, uh, the dismission of a certain, uh, you know, professors and teaching staff has already drawn a, a, a huge discussion on whether you know, uh, University of Hong Kong or the universities in Hong Kong uh, has been, uh, you know, seen as too political. Uh, this is not only about, you know, uh, a particular um, qualities or the background of the of the scholars. It's also about, as I mentioned, uh, the whole um, selection and the governance uh, of the senior uh, management members uh, from the university. I, I share with uh, Professor Burns that uh, uh, definitely uh, not only the, the vice chancellor, but also the chancellor and also the council need to find someone that, that they make them feel comfortable enough, you know, to, to, to steering the development of the university. And with, with this current situation, so definitely uh, uh, scholars with, um, you know, you know, with uh, you know, top with uh, research and academic um, excellence, and also a natural uh, connections with uh, with mainland and also some of the uh, you know in, in international institution would be a plus. Um, so, so this is something that uh, I think you know. First, definitely, direction is there, and then ex and then on the other hand, is the is the governance and also you know the the talent availability issues. All right, uh, uh, John Burns. Thank you very much indeed for for joining us this morning. Uh, okay, some uh, thoughts. This is from Herman in an email uh, who says on the mainland infiltration of academia. Universities are supposed to help open students' minds and provide differing perspectives. Yet the local academics here have already made up their minds in advance and are now guilty of the closed-mindedness they accuse conservatives of. In my experience, I have found mainland academics surprisingly well-informed, intelligent and open-minded. If Hong Kong academics hold academic freedom as sacrosanct, they should put where their money where their mouths are and resign. Otherwise, they should shut up because they're only making the problem of global warming worse with all their hot air. That's from uh, Herman. Uh, Jay says it's sad how we ever have to discuss politics and waste so much time in education. Education is education. Now politics is destroying all levels of education. People need to think for themselves, uh, not have ideals of uh, other people. Uh, CW says, are these jobs for the boys at Hong Kong U funded by the Hong Kong taxpayers or funded otherwise? Um, Yes, they are funded by the Hong Kong taxpayers, uh, ultimately. Um, and um, one more. This is from Sam, uh, who says, Dear Backchat, uh, it's very much in the news in Hong Kong, the appointment of Amy Coney Barrett, uh, nominated by the president and voted to fill U.S. Supreme Court vacancy by Republican Party senators in a deeply divided Senate. The other being the Hong Kong Youth Student Union, making symbolic objections to pro-vice appointments on the basis of one being a member of the Chinese Communist Party. 
What difference does it make? Both appointments are for a purpose. One wonders the objection of the Hong Kong youth student leader was the self-seeking uh, cheap stunt and or being a cat's paw of a dark hand. Amy Coney Barrett's appointment is for life, whereas Hong Kong youth student leader's appointment happened to be a chance opportunity only because she was eligible to enter the Hong Kong U to engage in higher learning. If the Hong Kong youth student union leader, union members and students are unhappy with the appointments, they need to seek another university elsewhere where they are comfortable to pursue their education. Hong Kong is faced with problems, one too many, and do not need another. Thank you. That is uh, from Sam, once again, bankchat.rthk.hk, is that email address. R- Raymond Mack, what about this, uh, another issue which, is, which I see has been raised, has been mm. the, the conflict between, um, or, or I guess the hostility, or whatever you call it, scepticism, mm. uh, in, uh, in America towards Chinese academics there. And um, uh, we had someone um, this morning uh, saying that um, uh, basically, I guess, that Hong Kong U should be should be wary of mainland academics uh, and wary of getting a reputation as being too close to the mainland, because then that might mm. damage the Hong Kong Hong Kong U standing in the international community because of that kind of hostility or scepticism from America. Do you think that's right? Do you think that? If we become just kind of another mainland university, if Hong Kong U becomes another mainland university, that would harm the international standing. Or should we not be afraid? Should we should we just be, you know, uh, not be kowtowing to Donald Trump? <laughs> I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, the the quality uh, and also you know the. Um, you know, the evidence will speak for the truth, right? So right now uh, we are talking about you know the the, the selection of a newly uh, you know appointed um, senior management member in the university. Uh, you know definitely their their background arouses a lot of attention and concerns. But at the end of the day, uh, this is already a fact that they are going to be on board. So at the end. Uh, it is actually uh, the results and, and what they are going to do for the university will speak for the truth. So uh, uh, I will say, you know, uh, because of the international relations that uh, we are uh, having at the moment from the group, uh, it will take extra effort for the university management, you know, to justify to the world that uh, that, that we are clean from, uh, you know, uh, being contro- being seen to be controlled by by the Communist Party and also, you know, uh, too much influence to, uh, to the mainland from the mainland. Uh, but again, I, I still have a lot of respect and trust and confidence, uh, not only to the Hong Kong, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, the teaching staff and also, you know, the academia um, uh, circle, but also, you know, from the international standard as well. Uh, so that part needs to be, you know, it needs to be seen and, and examined in the future. But uh, the final look is that I think uh, the current situation, uh, you know, is pretty much uh, in line with what people say. Organization doesn't change, people change. I mean, the only thing is that, uh, you know, right now we can all see the people in Hong Kong also from the international community have a very sensitive mind on uh, every single move in, in, in some of the um, important institutions, including universities. So I think this is a fact that we have to face. And in the next few years, I think it's still the same. And and Raymond Mack, you think that given so much public scrutiny, um, from these appointments that both professors Shen and Gong would will probably go out of their way to prove that yep. you know they they really are here for Hong Kong not for you know any other interests yeah i i think so i think i think this is sang and out right now like i i think uh, professor Shen already 
uh, should have known that that uh, his job is, is going to be very difficult. And I think that uh, if this is not only for uh, you know the the uh, the professorship and also you know the the senior management uh, uh, credibility, but also for for the credibility of Hong Kong U, then definitely he has much things to prove and much things to do. I think that this is a a, a fact. Do you, do you think they're both members of the Communist Party? Sorry, are they members of the Communist Party? What do you think? Well, I that there's no evidence right now. But then, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if even if they are the, the Communist Party uh, members, if they are going to do in in the in the interest of uh, University of Hong Kong, not participating or not being seen as participating in in some of the political decisions, and I think this is fine. Uh, okay. Uh, some uh, comment uh, on uh, Facebook. TC says, as the only legal political party of the uh, People's Republic of China, why are people so evasive about whether someone is a member of that party uh, or not? I don't think it's the only legal. There are other political parties, I think. I'm right in saying TC. Anyway, TC also says, my view on this didn't start with this issue. Uh, this has been my position on position on Chen Yok Sing's cryptic answer on whether he's a member of the CCP. Uh, Matthew says, uh, TC, I agree that it's very weird that CCP members would would hide or lie about their party affiliation. It's a bit like a Ku Klux Klan member in the US. They should be proud. What do they have to hide? It seems to me that it's almost the ultimate unpatriotic act to be ashamed of and hide your party membership. Oh, wait, I wonder if transparently declaring CCP membership would impact his Barclay role. Uh, Berkeley role. Uh, that's from from uh, Matthew. Thanks very much in, in, indeed for that, Raymond, Raymond. Matt, what about this? <laughs> the irony that these people are very well established. I mean, they've been there for at least a decade, haven't they, at Berkeley? Uh, and Berkeley specifically says we don't mm. care whether they are a party member or not. And yet, so so they can do it in Berkeley, but they can't do it here. That seems very odd. Well. But uh, we're part of China. A lot of people will say, well, what's going on? Well, as I said, I mean, uh, the current situation is very tricky. Uh, and especially, you know, uh, as I said, over the past five years, uh, uh, the University of Hong Kong has, has, been, has been involved in a lot of, um, you, know, uh, you know, political decisions and seen to be political decisions uh, on the appointment of uh, the most important members in the university. So, so that is something that uh, arousing the, the tension and also the questions from the public. And I think this is legitimate and also understandable uh, because academic independence and, and all things uh, should be the, uh, the first and top priority um, of the university. And then, as I said, uh, you know, from, from a Berkeley point of view or other university point of view, um, whether the senior management member will act in the, in the interest of the university and then stand away uh, from or being fair in, in some of the very um, controversial decisions is the best way to justify, you know, the credibility of that scholars and, and, and the senior management uh, members. So whether this is a, um, a communist party background and whatever, uh, definitely uh, in this very difficult world, uh, they have more uh, effort to be paid to judge, uh, to, to justify. But at the end of the day, it is not, uh, you know, a, a label that, uh, that have been tagged on, on a, a certain academic um, uh, scholars and then uh, to pre prevent them from doing their job well. Okay, well, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. Raymond Mack there, President of the University of Hong Kong Students' Union in 2003. One more comment from TC. Uh, responding to uh, Tom's comments uh, earlier, that was about the uh, dental 
clinic, you know, not being relevant, uh, <laughs> or the dental um, study. Uh, TC says, uh, Tom's comment is akin to Ivana Wong's infamous remarks on how she's tired of politics. Everything is political, including academic fields that may seem unpolitical. With the nature of the Communist Party, everything will become hyper-political. That is from uh, TC. Thank Many thanks for that. Uh, just before we uh, move to our second topic, a couple of emails on uh, other issues. Uh, Dan says, not with the subject line, not just the beaches. It's not just the beaches. Technically, we are currently limited to groups of four hiking in the country parks. This restriction is totally unnecessary. Wake up decision makers. We were talking yesterday about uh, beaches. Uh, and uh, Andrew C says, uh, every day there are cases of covid being imported from other countries the question for benjamin cowling or someone else is there now evidence that the people who have brought imported cases of covid transmitted the infection to other people on the flights on which they traveled i think knowing this can be helpful for people making decisions about uh, air travel that uh, question and comment is from uh, andrew c uh, many thanks for that uh finally today we wanted to turn to the uh, talks uh, between uh, cathay pacific and uh, cabin uh, crew staff, uh, the reports that uh, talks uh, yesterday over a new contract that uh, would offer uh, m uh, much less advantageous uh, terms, slashing wages by up to uh, 40%, went nowhere yesterday. Um, the union said that uh, it was hugely uh, disappointing. This is after three and a half hours of uh, meeting. Uh, Carrollton is uh, chairwoman of the Confederation of Trade Unions and joins us on the line now. Mason, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you indeed for, for joining us. Uh, I, I've, got, I've got to say, I mean, do you have any ability to negotiate in a situation like this? Or do you just have to basically do what Cathay says? I think, um, obviously, it's really limited. Because when you see, the, in the past few days, the, the response from the company, um, they, they are rather stand firm. And um, I think what the union needs is a lot of the, um, the public support. And in order to tell the, uh, the employers, is what they need is a time to further talk about, to push the deadline into uh, a bit later, because there's a lot of um, ambiguity on the um, contract or the new contract explanation. Several terms about retirement funds and uh, whether the chances for the second round redundancy, which is quite unclear. And uh, they just need more time for the uh, employer to explain to them and uh, what's the um, final the consequences and certain time for the employees to consider whether they, they can or cannot to agree such a contract. But I think the attitude of the employer shows is um, they, they just don't want to talk anymore. And um, it is quite shocked to, for us to see the employer now showing their real face. Uh, so the uh, Cathay was pushing uh, staff to accept these new contracts by today. Um, what what is actually going to happen? Are any staff prepared to do that, or are, is the union saying, okay, we're not going to we're not going to accept these contracts because we need to have these talks? I think if there are two groups of the staff need to return to their agreements today. It's the what the group belongs to. Those um, came from the Asian countries. Um, the foreign staff, but um, the local staff, they having um, another deadline, which is the 4th of November. And I just overlook the, um, the, the response for certain groups chats. It's saying that then the overseas staff, they are not very keen to return the agreement today. I think they, 
they still want to engage with the company. They still want to talk. And um, a group of the, um, um, the, the local staff, they have um, asking the major newspaper today, and they advertise the messages on the front page. I think more, more time they needed at this moment. I, I can't tell what's the actions they're coming next, because today they're actually meeting the Labour Department in order to find a way out. I very much hope um, the government do a bit more, and the employers they need to see, because when you finish all this round of the redundancy and what you're trying to do, asking them to sign a new contract, and in the future you still need public to travel and support your company, and this is a kind of images you're giving to the public right now, and I urge them to, to, to manage to resolve the situations in a better way. And how far away is Cathay and its staff from uh, expect, you know, the expectations, I mean, the offer and, and what the staff actually want? The staff actually willing to give up kind of the salaries or the benefits um, in order to exchange it, which is a temporary um, situation to rescue the company or assist the company going through this crisis of COVID-19. But the company actually wants a, a permanent change. But looking at the different treatments in different levels of the staff within the company, the senior management, they're only facing one-year change or one-year deductions of their benefits and salaries and terms. But the staff now facing a permanent change. So it is definitely unfair. Uh, this is an email from David who says, uh, why does the Cathay staff and the CTU keep blaming the management? They didn't cause the riots, the strikes, the sabotage, the blocked airport, the doxing of passenger names. Neither did the management cause COVID-19. Under these adverse conditions, the management did everything to keep the airline afloat, avoiding layoff up to now. If the staff union chooses industrial or legal action over the new contracts, they will just hurt their fellow staff members again, who work professionally and are willing to stay on under the new contracts. Alternatively, in these difficult times, Cathay can choose to uh, just fold, being acquired by another airline, or maybe years later, open up again. That comes from uh, David. Carrollton? I think it's um, just um, some people tr trying to switch the focus. Now, the, it is a global situation for lots of the airlines facing crisis, but most of these major carriers are willing to talk to the unions in order to find a way out. Now, the problem is the company is not that situation they need to do the redundancy and get rid of the staff in such a large amount today and now. They can talk, they can find a way out, but they don't. The unions did try the very hard in the past week to suggest a lot of recommendations to the employer, but the employer simply just come into these decisions without any proper consultation. If that's happening on any other people in the other company, I think similar actions from the staff and the responses from the staff will be the same. But do you accept that it's it, this is a they're in danger of collapsing completely, and you've got to have very very tough measures. The company already get uh, government injected uh, quite a large sum, large sum of the the money into them. I don't think they will collapse. And looking at the balance sheet and the financial situations, they're still able to run for over a year. Now it's a time to change or to overlook um, what they can do to reduce some terms and conditions. I, I don't mind the company, they need to have a change, but they need to look into the situations. It's, it's a large amount of the employee. 
they need to consult with the union and see how far the staff they can accept. The staff actually say they can accept some kind of the reductions. They're not saying that they refuse totally, but why do you let the senior management having little bit changes only, but the staff need to change to any, any grade below senior management, they need to change permanently. And so, as you mentioned earlier, you, you're pushing for this um, November 4th deadline. If you can't reach an agreement by then, what, what, what could happen next? Well, it's still quite um, uh, a week away, but I think we can only see it day by day. And I don't think and the unions is planning any industrial action or anything at this stage. But we just would like to see um, and everyone, the employer and the employees, they need to come back to the negotiation table and talk properly. And what the pilots' unions also similar the same. They have their mechanism to have full consultation before any changes of their employees employment contract. But, but now this time you see everything in failure. Okay, well thank you very much for joining us, Carolyn, the chairwoman of the uh, Confederation of Trade Unions. Uh, one more email from Andrew Kay who says, uh, educational freedom, this is an often used phrase, can anyone explain what exactly it means and why it's important? And uh, Thank you for that. Uh, Karen, many thanks to you. Thank you, Hugh. Uh, that's it from us. Uh, the weather mainly cloudy with a few rain patches. Temperatures today up to about 27 degrees. Uh, and the outlook is going to be cloudy with uh, a few rain patches around tomorrow. And then the weather will improve in the following few days. And it will be slightly cooler in the morning and at night. The strong monsoon signal. Uh, in effect now, the readings 25 Celsius and the relative humidity is at 71%. Under the vaccination subsidy scheme, the government subsidizes persons aged 50 or above, pregnant women, children, persons with intellectual disability, persons receiving disability allowance, and certain CSSA recipients to receive influenza vaccination from private doctors enrolled in the scheme. The subsidy has been increased to $240 per dose. For details, visit chp.gov.hk or call 2125-2125. 9.31, the news now with Samantha Butler. The Secretary for Food and Health, Sophia Chan, has brushed aside criticism that it doesn't make sense to let six people sit together in restaurants but only allow four at public gatherings. She told an RTHK programme of the need to gradually ease restrictions and of the infection risk posed by public gatherings. The Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden has made a scathing attack on Donald Trump's handling of the coronavirus, saying the president has failed the people of the United States by refusing to endorse social distancing or encouraging people to wear masks. Speaking at his own rally in Michigan, Donald Trump accused his opponents of misleading Americans about the pandemic in order to discredit him. And Italian police have clashed with demonstrators in a number of cities as people took to the streets for a second night in a row to protest against new coronavirus restrictions. In Milan and Turin, petrol bombs and stones were thrown at police cars. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Designer, interpreter of Beethoven, as well as also shy, quiet, and retiring doggy council co founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults, it's not really for kids. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Decide of what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. In depth interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. 
Good morning to you and welcome to One Two Three Wednesday right here on the Morning Brew. And big thanks to Mr. Ross for the last couple of days. So, Phil Whelan back with you. We're going to start after 10 today with news of last weekend's three-day adventure cleanup in Hong Kong. Huge success, massive job, but this amazing coastal trash clearing challenge is not yet over. In the coming two weeks, the 13 teams that took part are going to have the chance to raise awareness about the community, what they did, coastal pollution, plastic. That's the second part of the challenge. This is huge. You may remember Coast Ear, Esther Rolling, who, with her partner, literally went all the way around Hong Kong Island, whether it be climbing, swimming, kayaking, whatever. Well, she's in charge, and she's going to join me on the phone at about 10 minutes past 10. 10.30 plus, ask... Artist and ad man Martin Lever is going to be with us live from his quarantine hotel room where a recent set of time-passing paintings, beautiful ones too, have become a real thing. He's going to tell you all about the Room 202 project and we'll probably be on Facebook Live for that one. 11.40, RTL France's man in Hong Kong, Philippe Devar, back with more chat and music. And after 12, our weekly session with Chris Watts, who invites you to join him at his Motion Dynamics studio in Central.